Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Next to me is saying it. You may hear him. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory eight count, and Foreman is as poised as can be in a neutral corner. He is. Everybody, welcome to Zoot's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you sweet science straight up with no twist. How's everybody doing out there this evening, Thursday, March the 30th, 2017? And uh, in keeping with what we did last week, uh, our show was abruptly put to a halt due to blog talk radio's technical difficulties, so some of the guests is act. Uh, Ramsey, Joey I, and Larry Fryers will be on tonight. Uh, the return of Rinkside with Jeff Bumpus will be on tonight. And we also will have Jonathan uh, Figueroa, a uh, young uh, fighter who is uh, fighting on April the 7th this evening. Uh, so, there, so there you go. So it was a technical difficulty on the part of Block Talk where the calls could not go out or come in. So they... Uh, fix that and um, promised me that that will not happen again so we will see so uh, again my name is Anthony George also known as Zoot I'm your host for this evening's uh, show so before we get to the guests we're going to talk a little bit about some salient points of of boxing from the last time I was on the air and uh, first I want to talk about the uh, CBS uh, Sports Network card that aired here in the United States, which featured the debut of Nico Hernandez. Uh, on the undercard, you had uh, uh, Nico Macias uh, with a unanimous decision uh, victory in eight rounds over Cesar Soriano, the rooster. 
Uh, I, I like this guy. I think he's a, a good fighter for uh, TV. Has uh, no concept of, of what a jab is. You know, he makes that uh, known. There's no secret. He wants to get inside. He wants to force his opponent on the ropes. And uh, once he does that, if he succeeds, he puts together punches pretty well. I, I was impressed with how uh, he was able to put together some impressive uh, punches uh, without the benefit of working behind a jab. And Soriano was tailor-made for him to do that because he didn't offer uh, no kind of skills in fighting from distance and uh, keeping uh, Messias off him. But nevertheless, he put up some good resistance when uh, the action was inside and Messias outdueled or outslugged, I should say, uh, Soriano over eight rounds. Uh, and I, I like this guy, uh, Messias, in, in terms of entertainment value. I think he's a guy that's going to uh, continue to get the TV time because he pleases. He's a little bit of a character, calls himself uh, the, the rooster and uh, imitates a rooster after he is announced the victor. Uh, has a little bit of Jorge Paez in him, if you ask me. Uh, I don't know if he has... Jorge Paez his heart, but he, he certainly is a high-volume puncher, all-action kind of guy like Paez was. Also on that card, Tremaine Williams came back after a layoff, and he took care of Eduardo Garza in eight rounds. He was pretty accurate with that straight left, which was impressive considering the long layoff. Uh, you know, the key to a, a great southpaw is that straight left, and we don't see that. We see many southpaws. We don't see a lot of solid, accurate straight left hands being thrown, and Williams was showcasing that all evening. Then we got to Nico Hernandez. He fought Patrick Gu- Gutierrez. Uh, Nico could be uh, a big market guy in, in the sport of boxing, likable guy, seems to have good skills. But we didn't learn much from him from fighting uh, uh, Gutierrez. This guy was absolutely all flash. I mean, uh, he, when the pre-fight interview, he said all the right things. He looked hyped and ready to go during the ring walk. And when he got in the ring, he, he was just pretty much a guy who was in there uh, wanting to survive. He, you know, big, long reach, offered nothing in terms of trying to keep the fight at distance. When he got hit, he, he just, uh, you know, run it, ran away. Uh, really couldn't really offer any offense at all. Uh, seemed like he was a tough kid who could have went rounds, which would have been interesting. But in the fourth round, hurt his hand punching uh, uh, Hernandez in the back of the shoulder. And that uh, kind of put a, that, that fight quickly to a halt. So uh, it would have been a, a good test for Hernandez in the sense where it would have went uh, rounds. Uh, I forgot exactly how many rounds it was scheduled. It did go four rounds anyway. So Gutierrez did seem like a tough kid. We respect him in that aspect, but uh, really had no, nothing to offer, offer to really learn much about Hernandez. I mean, uh, tall guy with a, with a crazy reach advantage and he, he didn't even attempt to try and utilize that advantage. But, uh, Overall, the crowd was uh, pleased. Hernandez seems like he could be uh, a star, certainly has uh, the charisma, and uh, offensively, he performed well, but uh, once he's in there with tougher competition is when we'll truly know about him. Uh, Jason Quigley, another young prospect, was in action when we last went were on the air. He won a unanimous decision victory over Glenn Tapia. Started off very good, hurt Tapia early and often, but Tapia uh, showed a lot of resistance, was able to come back, and even hurt Quigley towards uh, the end of that, that fight. And uh, uh, Quigley is a guy that's been well-hyped. Um, not so sure about him. This was supposed to be a test for him to see how early he could put Tapia away. Tapia 
his last two fights, he got stopped inside of five rounds, goes 10 rounds with Quigley. So you have to wonder uh, about that. Tapia did seem more motivated uh, to perform in this fight. So you have to take that into consideration. But I think Quigley is going to, again, like Macias, I think he's a good TV fighter. I don't know how far he could go otherwise, but he, he, he's a guy that you would want to see. He's a guy that will put on good television fights. I think give him more of a higher level, high skilled John Duddy. And uh, he certainly has a good uh, fan base like that he does. So uh, and like Larry Fry is the, so we'll be talking to a little bit later on. And on that undercard, Randy Caballero was victorious in 10 rounds over Jesus Ruiz. And that was a pretty good action fight. Now, the the fight of the weekend was the big rematch with Jorge Linares and Anthony Crolla. Uh, Linares, sorry, Jorge Linares, he won easily, I thought, over 12 rounds, as most people thought. I, I even went so far as to say on social media, I thought it was the single best performance uh, by a pugilist that I've seen uh, this year, in this 2017 calendar year. Not, I have not, there have been a many fights I have not seen, so you have to take that uh statement into you have to take that into my statements consideration i should say so i mean i've have seen quite a few television fights i've been and i've been to one or two cards live so i mean but he in a fight that was pretty close and was supposed to be close this time i thought he dominated thought he worked off the jab well i didn't think crawler had uh, many answers for him. There was a point where uh, Crowler's, uh, I think it was after the 11th round, where Crowler's corner was even going to stop the fight because it, they deemed it uh, a helpless situation for his man. Uh, but he did wind up go- going to 12 full rounds. Uh, Jeff Bumpers, as I talked with him off the air, had a slightly different take on this. And uh, stay tuned for that in the ringside with Jeff Bumpers uh, segment. Uh, but uh Linares was the clear victor on the cards, and uh, on and here in America, that fight was uh, televised on Showtime, where Mikey Garcia was part of the roundtable. The Showtime announcers did not call the fight. They were not at the arena. They were in the, the studios where the Skybox uh, team covered the uh, play-by-play, blow-by-blow uh, in analysis and they spoke in between rounds and all of that. So Garcia's presence gave you the belief that he's going to get the winner. And I wrote a piece after Garcia was uh, victorious earlier in the year on maxboxing.com of uh, who will he fight next. And Linares was one of the more natural uh, choices. It should be a great fight for in a couple of months down the line. Uh, I would favor Garcia and I would favor Garcia big at this point, but still, Linares is a guy who uh, is really getting a lot of accolades for that performance. Uh, you got to give him credit for going into uh, enemy territory as the champ. And he took the crowd out of it. He, he was clear. I'm curious to see what Jeff has to say about this fight. We didn't talk in depth, but he has a little different take on it. But uh, I think Jeff would agree that Linares is in line to fight Garcia next, and that should be a fun fight to discuss. But again, I would favor Garcia in a big way at this point. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about last week that we did not get to was uh, the death of Rodrigo Valdez. And uh, whenever we lose a, a boxing uh, superstar, if you will, and uh, Valdez was a middleweight champion, I try and get um, people on here to discuss him and talk about him, but uh, was not able to do that. But I was planning on giving him some time uh, last week, and then uh, all the craziness happened. So uh, Valdez is a guy that fought in the 
mid to late 70s, a guy I have not seen a, a lot of fights on. I've seen about five or six of his fights, uh, but uh, certainly has uh, the lineage and he has the distinct uh, recognition of knocking out Benny Briscoe. Uh, he fought 30 rounds with Carlos Monzon, where he did not embarrass himself. Monzon's last fight was the rematch with Valdez, but uh, well, that Valdez dropped him. So, uh, you know, he has that, but uh, lost his title to the very pesky Hugo Coro. And uh, Coro wound up dropping his title to Antofermo. So he had that uh, changing of the guard and then Minter beats Antifermo. So that was all linked together until Hagler got there. And uh, speaking of Hagler and uh, the fight with uh, John DeBeast Mugabe, uh, Gil Clancy, who trained Valdez, was one of the announcers. And he basically said in no uncertain terms when he, when he handled Valdez, he appreciated Marvin Hagler so much he didn't give him the shot at the title. As if you remember, Hagler was a guy who was Avoided like the plague for a couple of years. Number one contender for two or three years is what I is what I remember, and did not get a title shot. And Valdez was one of those, uh, as well as Coro. And uh, the clip I usually play with Hagler calling out Coro on this show is part of that. Uh, the, those are some of the guys that uh, were accused of avoiding Hagler. And in the Mugabe fight, <laughs> Clancy confirmed it. So uh, so there you go. So let's give. Rodrigo Valdez, his due, off all the people that I know and uh, what I see on social media, I always talk about how underappreciated, underrated he is. And, uh, you know, I've in the fights I've seen him in, certainly a guy that would have been, uh, you know, probably a little bit more successful uh, in the 80s, but he would have had Hagler to deal with. But guy won a title, knocked out Benny Briscoe. Uh, I would imagine he was heavily favored against Coro when he did lose. But Coro just possessed the kind of style that was a headache for anybody. So uh, you have that. So let's give uh, a moment of silence to Rodrigo Valdez. All righty, there you go. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have Joey I on right after this.
are back, and we do not have Joey I on, and uh, I don't know. I'm trying to call the number, and it seems like somebody's answering, but I can't hear them. I'm trying to get in contact with uh, Joey on my cell, and he just texted me. I keep answering, and no one is there, so there we go. So perhaps the difficulties have not been fixed. Uh, I had a show, uh, MMA show on Tuesday. Everything went well with the uh, calls. There was absolutely no problem, so I'm not sure. But uh, I'm going to see if Joey could call in, and we might be able to do it that way. But... uh, Seems like he's answering. I can't hear him, and he can't hear me. So there you go. All righty. So this is uh, wonderful. We really need to get a new format. I can't keep having this. Uh, I work too damn hard at this to uh, have these glitches. All right, so we'll see if Joey could come in. Uh, I'll see if I could fix it again. I'll take another quick break. No, Cam, tell us at what point the fight is ended. But anyway, it is another knockout for Marvin Hagler. He scored 36 knockouts now in 47 fights. He's won 44, lost two with one draw. And it is... Here's the announcement. Unable to continue. The winner by a knockout in the seventh round, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, and they have decided that the knockout was in the seventh round... Because the sixth yeah, round has other. Hagler making play. a speech up there. I can't hear what he's saying with the crowd yelling. Hagler's got the microphone and he's making some speech. He has. what you said for uh, television. I want Hugo Carl. I've been fighting all the best in the world. All right. Sorry, Marvin. I love you, but we have to get this uh, rolling. I do have Joey on. It worked when he called me. So without further ado, Joey I, uh, an everything man in boxing, uh, known as one of the best cut men in boxing, which is why he's on tonight, but he has promoted shows. He has done everything and, uh, he just had a birthday, so we'll start with that. Joey, I happy birthday it was yesterday, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He turned a big four eight yesterday. I was gonna say, would you turn twenty five? But uh, yeah, right. Yeah. You went out and reveal, <laughs> reveal your own your, your real age. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got congratulations over twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> there you thank go. Thank you. Thank you. So we uh, we definitely wish you a happy birthday with that, Thanks. and uh, we'll get to some uh, you know personal stuff in a, in a few. But first, which is why I wanted to have you on last week because of the big mm-hmm. uh, fight of last week. In many ways, even bigger than uh, Triple G Jacobs was the upset of Roman Chocolatito yes. Gonzalez, and Gonzalez, the cut yes. that he suffered from a headbutt was a major. Story. Uh, first, when the cut happened, a guy that does this for a living before, even uh, even before the corner gets to it, even before Lampley deems Miguel Diaz is one of the best cut men in the business. Mm-hmm. The minute you see the cut, what starts going through your mind? What starts going through my mind is one, it wasn't handled fast enough. 
But see, I'm I'm like I try to be Speedy Gonzalez. I got to be the first one in there. You know, Miguel's a little older. You know, he's a, he has been a good cut man over the years, but um, I just watched it and it just got worse and it just didn't seem to be handled well enough. Now, you know, there's a, there's a lot of factors that could be going into all this too, but what the worst part of all of it is is you know they call the judges the three blind mice but they're more like bulls they're like you know they only see red when they see red they automatically just change the thought of the way the process you know they see a guy's face a little beat up or a lot of blood and whether it's affecting the fighter or not to them the fighter's losing the fight which is wrong but you know it is what it is i, I don't make the rules you know Right, so so sounds like you're saying you thought where a lot of people are saying that uh, Gonzalez got got robbed. Is that accurate? Yeah. Oh, he definitely. That, that I definitely believe that. And the cut cost him the fight. And um, I just I you know I didn't hate to down anybody or talk bad or anything like that. But you know I have my own ways of doing things, and everybody does. And I just would have think that I it would have I would have handled it differently. Okay. But, uh, know, yeah, I don't. I hate to be an armchair cut man, you know, watching it on TV. But right. you know, there are there are you know, that's you know, like see, being a cut man, you can't have a bad night. Hell, even a fighter can have a bad night. You know, what I mean, come back, fight again, whatever. You you, you get a, you have a bad night. You go to the bottom of the barrel. What happens is, is just like this. Everybody sits around and goes, ah, he stinks. You know, and I don't want to say he stinks or this or that, but you just you gotta. Working that cuts, it could be your millionth one. It's got to be like it's your first one. It's life or death in there, and you know it's, I've seen it happen more than more than you know more times than not that there's guys that just you know maybe they as they say shit the bed when uh, when stuff gets tough. Right. Well, I mean, if anybody has the right to be an armchair guy, it's you. Uh, so when you if you were there the minute you see the cut what do you start doing before the fighter even gets to the corner that that that's what i'm interested in hearing how how on top of it are you what what's the first thing that you do while you're sitting well, there waiting for I that gotta, i'll be honest to end. i'm already see that's the thing i'm already prepared before he gets cut i'm prepared if someone gets cut I have to expect someone to get cut or someone to get busted up or swollen. Right, so I right, got right. everything ready, ready to go. People laugh at me and they'll go, what's with all the Q-tips on, on your arm there? And you got one in here. And, you got, and I'm like, and what's with this? And, what, and like, I was a Boy Scout and a Marine. You know what I mean? You got to be ready. There's no second chances. There's no timeouts. There's no nothing. So guy gets cut. I hate to say it. I mean, I've even wished this on my own son, but when he was fighting, when he was a little kid, I used to wish every fighter gets cut because I'm not there just to rub grease on a guy's face. I like right, right. anybody who tells you, hey, we got lucky. Nobody got cut tonight. It's like, no, 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 no. You you got lucky that you didn't get exposed as a fraud. You know, when when you're doing cuts, you I want this stuff. I That's why I live for this stuff. I mean, you might, maybe I'm a vampire or something. I don't know. But I like blood. I want to see it. That's why I became a cut man a million years ago. So I'm ready for it. I'm and I, The bigger, the better, the more I, I, I want it, you know. And and I've had I've had doctors, you know, that they'll they'll say to me, Joe, you know, you, you're always on top of it, and you'll you'll say, hey, every guy, you'll always say, hey, this guy's okay, it's no big deal. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you also have to know the fighters that you're dealing with. I mean, the doctor said to me once, you know, if the guy's spleen was sticking out out of his mouth, you you might say he's okay. And I'll go, guess what? If I know that that fighter's a tough fighter and he could finish the fight standing up with his spleen sticking out, well, right. then I'd say it was. But I'd never want a guy to be in over his head or, or really badly hurt or too bad of a cut. you know. But 
you know, my job is in, is my main job is to stop the bleeding, revive them, get them the hell back out there, mm-hmm. and clean as a whistle, and the blood stopped. I did not honestly see the blood ever really stop. He would stand up, and he would already be bleeding. Yeah, which, but uh, like I said, there's there's a lot of other factors to things like that. You know, a lot of these guys nowadays, I think, to have the extra edge, they're taking things like five hour energy and and all these energy drinks and all this stuff. That just raises your your the niacin. There's niacin, and it gets a, it's what's called a, a a niacin flush. The the, the the blood rushes right to your skin, and then you have a lot of B vitamins in them, and that makes everything pump faster. So you know, I, I've seen guys bleeding, and it looks like they just drank, drank a bottle of vodka. It, it's coming out of them like water thin as water and you know a lot you know which that that's a whole nother story you know you don't need all that crap you know train right eat right drink a lot of water and you know you know and you don't need there's no special you know there's no special pill or special drink that's going to make you a better fighter or you know but um you know like i said there's a lot of different factors but i did notice that he really the cut was never really taken care of the right way not, not not that it wasn't the right way, but it just never was stopped, and it did cost him the fight. It's a shame well, too because it was a, it was a good fight. Yeah, and uh, at the end of the fight, I, I think it was after the decision was announced. Harold Letterman said that the cut the the corner did not have. I think it was called avatine, the a substance that's often yes, used. Yeah, avatine. See that and I they, used that. After they did not have fact. it in that corner. They did no, not they have didn't. it in the corner. It was not used. No. Now, there's, how can you explain something like that for such a high-profile fighter? Why wouldn't they have that in the corner? That is is a question that would have to be asked to someone like Miguel or 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 his managers or trainers. Well, I I use adrenaline to stop it, and if it's really bad, I use Avatine after the fact to help keep it stopped, and I use ice cold Vaseline also with I keep spe- just 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 for that case on ice. And I also, if it's big enough, sometimes I will stop it. Then I will also use an end swell to bring it to because the cold shrinks, makes makes things shrink. So I'm gonna make make it smaller, and also with the adrenaline and the avatine, you keep it stopped. So there's there's right. there's so many different things that could have been done or handled a different way, or you know. Uh, you know, but like I said, however you stop it, as long as it's stopped when the guy gets up and he goes out to start fighting again. Now. The other guy across the ring is not a dummy. If it's stopped, you know, three three you know, you fight somebody like Triple G, three fights in, three punches in, you're already going. No matter how good it was stopped, that you're going to be bleeding like a pig again because he's going right for it. And he's, you know, as smart fighter would. Right. I, I've been in right. a corner where our other guy on the other end cut bad, and I go, yo, go for the eye, go for the eye. You know, what I mean, and it's it's mm-hmm. part of the, it's part of the business. It's you know, mm-hmm. you know, you take every advantage you can. Right, right. Uh, now, now Harold said that the uh, Avatine is very expensive, and uh, Harold is, is known for having a, a, a amazingly. Yeah, he's a pharmacist. Yeah, yeah, and he and he also has alligator arms, and the next time the guy picks up a yeah. check would be the first time, is what I hear. Uh, so right. I mean, I've, I've picked it up many a time for him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So I mean, yeah. you know, I, mean, is, I wouldn't think Avatino that would be an issue with Gonzalez's corner. I wouldn't think that would be an issue. No, to, no, you know. no, no. You you're not talking about uh, some club fight in, in Ohio. You know what I mean? It, it's you know, and even then though, I mean, if you're going to be a cut man, it is your business. It, you're not going to make a lot of money no matter what, but you have to have the right the right equipment. You got to have the right tools. You know, you can't. It, there's no magic thing. I can't just point at somebody and you know. I mean, I I, I joke. That's a joke. I tell people. People say, "Yeah, he's such a good cut man." He just points at people. I go, "Yeah, I pointed at my wife about five years ago. She hasn't had a period since." 
But, uh, you know, but that's not, you know, come on. That's, you know, you, you, you got to know what you're doing, but you also have to have, it's just like any job. You could be a great carpenter, but if you don't have the right hammer, if you're, if you're trying to put nails in with a screwdriver, that's not going to work. Right. Now, is uh, not having Aventine in the corner a choice made by them for whatever reason as bad as no, what we saw was, years ago in Tokyo? I don't think it was Tokyo? made by anybody. Right, right. But, well, I mean, that, obviously – Tokyo, I mean, that, was, that was just blatant – that was just blatant not being prepared whatsoever. You know, right, right. I, I just think some guys think that they so can maybe – they level. don't need – you know, they just need some adrenaline. You know, right. I see – go ahead. Yeah, I, I see so guys use dr- adrenaline wrong. You know, right? No, God, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, no, God. Okay, because that's what I was thinking oh, of. I'm like, uh, you know, I, you yeah. know, I, I don't know and anything see, about see, from anything. You but just I, said that, right? But see how you're thinking like that. That's the same way I'm saying these judges. They sit back and they go, oh, you know, and their their mindset automatically, like all they can think or look at it. They're not even looking at the punches being thrown anymore. Now that they see his blood all over the place, and they're like, oh, that guy's getting beat up. You know. You know, it 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 it's I've I've heard from judges you know who who don't even watch certain fighters anymore because they don't have a good record. Well, what the hell are you talking about? The guys I and mean, he could win right. the fight, you know. And I don't even look at him. Well, he's <laughs> just there for a paycheck. Well, it's like, well, uh, how about the guy who was just there for a paycheck to beat the crap out of the other guy and he gave it to the other guy? Come on, you know. But right, right. like I said, I'm not a judge. That's one yeah. job I would never want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, certainly, but, uh, certainly rough, and we had a. We'll, We'll talk about the other fight in a second, but uh, you've been doing mm-hmm. this for a long time. Have you ever had a night, maybe yeah. early in your career, where, in your words, shit the bed? Did you ever have a, a night where you said, "Wow, no. I, I no, messed up"? No, no. I, like I said, I, I was a, um, I was a Boy Scout and a Marine. I've always been prepared. I live for this kind of crap. So, I, I probably, I'll be honest with you. First time I ever worked a cut. I was still in I wasn't even a professional fighter yet. I was still an amateur fighter. I had a friend who asked me, "Could you work my corner?" He shouldn't have been fighting whatever. He got cut. I stopped it and I said to myself, "When I'm done fighting, this is what I want to do." And I learned mm-hmm. from all like well-known guys that, you know, that that, you know, were, were legends and they passed it down. Three different guys passed it to me, and when I felt I was ready, I I did. I I got in there, but you know, it was something that I, you know, I, I used to love to watch, even when I was a kid, even as a young kid, even fighting as an amateur and a pro, I used to go to the fights, and I'd be watching the guys in the corner more mm-hmm. than I'd be watching mm-hmm. the fight. You know, I, right. it was just something. But no, I've never, I mean, because I knew that going in, you don't just go in winging. You don't just go trying. You don't, you know, like, it's not like having a puncher's chance, you know, guy who shouldn't be in the fight, but if he could crack, you know, he might become like that Rocky type situation. But right, right, cut man, right. you need to know what you're doing. And there ain't mm-hmm. no school for this. It's a school of hard knocks, and you got to learn. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, it, you you got even if it's a guy who's, you know, like a little club show, like I said, and it's some guy who's like five and ten, you know, still, hey, you know, that guy loses that fight because of the cut, you know, and you didn't stop it or handle it the right way, and maybe he's not allowed to fight anymore. Maybe that was the last fight he could have had before they took his license, or he had to get a win, or what, you know. So you, no, I, you know, I. To me, no, I've never, but I've never, I don't jump into things that I don't feel that I'm qualified to do. Right, right. When we're speaking with Joey I, Cutman Extraordinaire, and many things in boxing extraordinaire. Uh, Joey, you're a fighter. You got a bad cut. Uh, obviously, you can't depend on yourself. Maybe you would try, but uh, what yeah. Cutman, past or present, uh, would you want handling your, your bad cut like we saw the Chocolatito suffer from? 
Well, there was two guys, two of the guys, three guys actually, but two of them that I learned from um, was uh, he was called the Clot, Eddie Aliano. Um, he had done guys like like Sugar Ray Leonard and all. You know, he was he right, was legendary yeah. from the yeah from the seventies all the way up until when he died. Um, and he passed a lot on to me. I sat back, I listened, I watched. I, you know, I never never spoke up. I just you know, and he 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 was somebody that definitely I would have always wanted. And then there was another guy who I actually will be portraying in a movie about Joey Giardella, former middleweight champ of the world. Um, mm-hmm. His name was Adolf Ritacco. He was a little little okay. guy, same size as me. People, people, old-timers think he's my grandfather, and he wasn't. But he was one <laughs> hell of a tough little old bastard who was just, I mean, when you described him, you were just, if you described either of us, you, you wouldn't know who you were talking, you know. Uh, but he just, um, he was incredible. I mean, he he was another one. He just was so confident with it, and not cocky about it, but just he nothing shook him. You know, a guy's eye could be hanging out, and he just be like, eh, push that back in, get out. You know, stop the bleeding, get out there, kid. You're good. And that, that's the other thing. You always gotta you gotta have somebody like that in your corner that that keeps things light and keeps you not worried about it. Because if the fighter starts worrying about it, you know, what I mean, then he's going to be off his game. And he's you know always you know, and and boxing's ninety percent mental. So, you know, you want to, you want to, you know, no matter how bad it is, you don't want to say to a guy like, you don't, you know, if you walk in there and go, oh boy, that's bad. You know, I can stop it, but that's bad. Well, the guy's going to be, you know, he, then he shits to bed, you know. Right, right. But, um, yeah, uh, Adolf, Eddie, there was another guy from, from a uh, local guy from Philly. Um, they called him Stan the Cutman. He was a fireman. He was another guy that I learned a lot from, and he, he I, I actually had him in my corner a few times when I was fighting, and I'm a real great guy. These guys have all passed. They're, they're, they they died, but they all passed on to me. You know, for some reason, they all picked, you know, said I was the guy, you know, to do this. Yeah. So that meant What about a lot currently? What with, about an active guy? Uh, an active guy? I'll be honest with you. I would um, – I like George Mitchell, Big George mm-hmm. uh, from New York. Um and from Philly, uh, Billy Briscoe. He oh. um he actually um has won. I know you don't know this, but in Philly, they give out awards every year and an awards thing for different fighters and trainers and managers, whatever. Well, fifteen years in a row, I won Cutman of the Year to the point where mm-hmm. I finally said, I, "I give it to somebody else, please." Right, right. So they decided to do that. Well, they turned the award into the Joey I Award. And ah. last year, Billy had won. <laughs> Billy had won it. Ah, great, great. So, yeah, it was an honor. You know what I mean? I thought it was great. I said, you know what? But I was like, it's getting – I don't care if I got it a hundred times. It'd still be an honor, but it's getting a little redundant. Let let somebody else take – you know what I mean? And, right, and, right. Um, but, yeah, um, another guy I used to love, but he's gone, was um, – and I got along with very well. It was really good cut, man. was Joe Souza. used to work with Arturo right. Gatti, and uh-huh. he trained yeah. uh, Jesse James Leha. And a really good guy. Um, yeah. So, I thought you know, uh, I thought Cody was really Petronelli good. was a, a good cut man, a big oh, guy. Yeah. I thought yep. he was a yes, good cut was. man. Yes. Uh, yep. and he, yes, he, was. he was the number one guy. And, and, and I thought he might have been a better cut man than, uh, than, than uh, you know trainer in between rounds in some of his fights. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, well, that, that's so, another thing. It's very hard. It's very hard. It's only special kind of person can be like that too. Because I've I've done that. I've had you know local guys I trained, and I was also their cut man. And it's like you're working on the cut, and you're also telling them how to you know what they have to go out there to do to to win the fight. You know, it's, it's um, you know, and when you get into the bigger end of it, you know, usually you don't want to be doing. You know, I mean, you got a big fight. Right. You, you know, right. Right. One guy should be telling them what to do, and the other guy worries about the cuts. You know. Right. Right. But well, yeah. Thank you for that uh, wonderful insight there. Uh, stuff, a lot of stuff I learned uh, 
And uh, as we spoke off the air, you have uh, an announcement to make uh, that you received on your birthday, a nice uh, birthday gift, as you put it. So let the fans know about that. Yeah, well, on November 9th in Garfield, New Jersey at the Venetian, a real nice hall that they have up up in North Jersey, um, I'll be being inducted into the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame as a cut man, which is a great honor you know uh, guys like marlon starling kenny bang bang bogner guys like that are also going in there's about 14 people going in and they they notified me yesterday on my birthday that you know i was nominated and going in i had no clue and um so you know i'm in the pennsylvania hall of fame and now i'll uh, in the atlantic city hall of fame and now i'll be in the new jersey hall of fame so that's uh, a great honor um you know and uh, well deserved it, well deserved pretty and cool. congratulations. You know, you're recognized for what you do thank you thank you that's it. Well, we're coming to the end of our segment, uh, uh, Joey. We've got a couple more minutes, and I've got to get to Jonathan Figueroa. Uh, real quick, uh, who did you think won between sure. Triple G and Jacobs? And uh, tell us what else you got coming up that you want us to know about. I know you promote uh, shows, too. I don't know if you're, you're working on anything like sure. that. Uh, yeah, Triple G and Jacobs, that was a pretty good close fight. You know what I mean? But I did I did give it to, to Triple G. I didn't think anybody there got robbed or anything, as a lot of people did. But um, – I, I didn't think that Jacob should have been switching to Southpaw so much, and I don't think that really threw Triple G off. I just think it kind of just made it more awkward for Jacobs, to be honest with you. But he, he was a hell of a tough guy. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you see, I mean, I've been there. Triple G just stopping guys, and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've heard his punches. They sound like mm-hmm. someone's getting hit with a baseball bat. I mean, right. guys like him, Kovalov, they're just like you need a shotgun to get to get them out there, out of there. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, but yeah. But, uh, you know, and then for me, yeah, just sim- simple, just keep doing what we're doing and um, got some stuff in the works. Um, like I said, that movie about Giardel is going to be made. I'm doing that soon um, and working on uh, putting together a few shows coming up in the future. And, um, you know, just same old, same old every day, you know. All righty. Well, thank you. Uh, a week late, but well worth the wait. Joey, I thank yeah. you. Look- Thank you. Want to have coming on again? Thanks for having me. Thank you for your insight. Oh, my pleasure and congratulations on your honor. Thank uh, you. Let me. Uh, we'll talk off the air. See if at all possible. I want to be there at the Hall of Fame in Jersey. So we'll talk sure. off the air about that. Great. Let me know. I try to go for the Pennsylvania one. It just was out of my reach at that point. But this one's a little closer yeah, to me. So hopefully, okay. uh, yeah. Hopefully we could get it done. But thank you again, and uh, you enjoy the thank rest you of the for evening. Having me. All righty. Great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. All right. See you. Joey, right. I, good stuff there. Uh, and, uh, you know, it gives it to you. Uh, you know, and, and that's the mystery question. Why such a prominent corner? Money should not be an issue. Why no Avatine? You didn't think you needed it? So that's what Joey's talking about, really not being prepared. So good stuff there. Great explanation. You could tell this guy uh, you know, why he's not hired for everybody's corner. And I've spoke to him in the past, too. He also works in the corners of MMA fighters as well. So Joey, I, good stuff there. We'll take a quick break. Uh, let's get the Marvelous one back on since we cut him off last time. I don't like doing that to the greatest fighter who ever lived. So we'll, you guys will listen to the Marvelous one while I get to Jonathan Figueroa on. No Cam, tell us at what point the fight is ended. But anyway, it is another knockout for Marvin Hagler. He scored 36 knockouts now in 47 fights. He's won 44, lost two with one draw, and it is. Here's the announcement. Unable to continue, the winner by a knockout in the seventh round, Marvis, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, and they have decided that the knockout 
was in the seventh round because the sixth now, round has other. Hagler making a speech up there. I can't hear what he's saying with the crowd yelling. Hagler's got the microphone and he's making some speech. He has, Come on, you power. I'm ready. I'm ready, Hugo Carl. Right. Come over and repeat what you said for uh, television. I want Hugo Carl. I've been fighting all the best in the world right now. Now I know that I'm ready for Hugo Carl. Nobody has stopped Willie Warren. The man is tough. He fought Benny Briscoe, fought Seals, he fought Ed Formio. I can't figure how they get a shot with Ed Formio in there before me. But. I'm looking for Hugo Carl because I believe the man's a sissy. And I'll tell it to his face if I can find him. The man's a sissy. That's what I have to say. i like to say thanks to all my fans who come down and to all my... I get Jonathan on the phone, no answer there, so I'll see what's going on. I'm trying to get in touch with somebody through my uh, cell phone, and I don't know if it's uh, an issue or is just not picking up the phone. It just This one just keeps ringing, so I don't think it's the same issue. So we'll see. Uh, if not, we're pressed for time here. So we'll see. I'll wait a few minutes uh, beforehand. So interesting take, though, with uh, Joey and uh, the fights. Uh, a lot of people thought that uh, Chocolate Tito got robbed. So I'm going to really have to go back, sit back, and watch that fight. I did not think he got robbed. I think that uh, if Gonzalez – I thought there was a fight that could have went either way. And uh, – it's one of those things where, you know, when you're talking about robbery in boxing, you, everybody has their own, uh, you know, definition. We all see it through a different lens, so to speak. In my opinion, Triple G could have been the only winner in that fight, as I have watched that fight a couple of times, because the best, I think, Danny, 
Garcia could have done, Danny Garcia, sorry, wrong fight, Danny Jacobs could have done was uh, garner a six six tie in uh, terms of rounds. Uh, and with the triple uh, G uh, knockdown, that's a one point win for triple G. Uh, I think a seven, so in other words, so seven five for Jacobs, for me, is out of the question. So that so if it was deemed like that, I would have to say Triple G got robbed. That so seven five for Triple G, I thought it was a good scorecard. I thought anything higher than that would have been a bad scorecard. So you could have a guy get a rightful decision, but it'd be a terrible scorecard if Triple G wound up winning like eight rounds to four or something like that, or nine rounds to three. Wow, he deserved the victory. It would have been a bad scorecard. So you could have a guy win and still have a bad scorecard. So it's a, it's a lot deeper than just robbed or getting robbed. But if a guy clearly wins a seven rounds to five fight and there's not two rounds there that you could find that could go either way, that guy deserves the fight. And the three judges better damn well give it to him. Oh, yeah, it's, to me, it's going to be a robbery. Now, you could win a seven rounds to five fight where a couple of rounds could have went either way, which I think was the case with Gonzalez watching it. So I can't say it is a robbery, even if Gonzalez was the winner. So, uh, But not everybody has the same you know, criteria. So uh, we'll see. So we're not, it doesn't look like we're getting uh, Jonathan Figueroa on. So uh, I will... Okay. I will see if I could push up Zach Ramsey or uh, maybe we could get Joey I back on uh, if he has a little bit more to say. Uh, and we'll see. I, I got about 15 minutes before uh, Zach Ramsey is scheduled and I'm texting Joey now to see. And if he has anything more to say. If not, I'll try and get Zach on. I don't know how much longer you all want to hear me speak by myself, <laughs> although I could do it, but we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely see. If not, I'll take a break and call Zach to see if he wants to come. While I'm doing this, let's listen to the great Bob Forster. One week before the fight, Foster is seen here training. This could be Bob's toughest title defense in the four years that he's been worldwide heavyweight champion. Foster won the title with a spectacular one-punch KO over Dick Tiger in New York City four years ago. Since winning the title, Bob has remained very active. He has had 17 fights since becoming the champion and has stayed in virtual constant training. Many experts attribute Bob's crushing power to the way he snaps his punches in whip-like all right, he said, Jerry's going to call on, uh, he said he's going to call back for about five or six minutes, and then we'll get to Zach. Uh, so we, uh, well, then I had a couple other questions I wanted to ask Joe. He said, that would be cool. So we'll wait for him there. So so, that, so, that, so that's it. I mean, uh, to me, uh, that, that that's how I see a, a fight, you know, and. I don't really try and score fights as much as I used to because it, to me, it's just like, you know, what's the point? First of all, I mean, from the naked eye, I try and score it. Even though I would, if I, but I sit down and score intensely and write it down. I always circle rounds that I think could have gone either way. And if there's enough of them, uh, then, then you could say, well, you know, 
that guy didn't get robbed. But if a guy went in a 12-round fight, if a guy wins a solid seven rounds, no questions asked, and he doesn't get the decision, he, he, by all rights, should have won a close decision. Just because the fight was close doesn't mean the other guy had a claim to victory. That's just how I view it. Other people don't. All right, so, Joey, you're back on. You're going to fill us some time. Yeah. Uh, before the, the nine o'clock interview, which is scheduled for Zach Ramsey. So uh, now that I have you back on, one of the questions I wanted to actually didn't get a chance to, uh, and we talked about this, mm-hmm. I think, when I had you on a long time ago, but uh, give us one or two of your greatest, uh, what you feel were your greatest accomplishments in uh, dealing with a really bad cut over the years. Um, okay. Well, uh, right off the top of my head, let's say one always comes to mind. Um, it was a club show. It was one of Russell Peltz's shows in Philly at the arena in South Philadelphia, and he had a heavyweight white kid um, named uh, John Poor, Big John Poor. And uh, John used to eat uppercuts like they were M&Ms. You know, he was the kind of guy that didn't get out of the way of anything. <laughs> Black um, punches with his and, face, uh, huh? Yeah, yes, uh, but he could. You know, he, he had a he had a rock-hard rock chin. Um, but uh, one night he was fighting um, a guy that um, Bronco McCart's father was training. He called the guy called himself the Mean Machine, you know, for like in um, you know in uh, Longest Yard, um, and um, he they were going back and forth. It was a very close fight, and you know John got this nasty cut right over his eye, and I mean it was it was the size of uh, it, it looked like uh, something a woman has, put it that way, you know. And, um, I mean, I could stick my thumb right in it and, um, but, you know, jumped right in. And like I said, I love that kind of stuff. So, you know, everything's a challenge to me and I, I, I got to do my best all the times out and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm working right on it. And after the fact, I remember that Bronco's father had said, came up to me and said to me, said, you know, you little son of a bitch. I was like, what? He goes, every time we thought they were going to stop this fight, he got up, came out fresh as a daisy. We we're like, that little, look at that little bastard. He he kept stopping. The, I said, yes, I did. And during, while it's happening, Russell Peltz, being Russell Peltz, he runs up and he, you know, and he was promoting John. So it was his fighter. And he's, he's like standing right at the ring and he's yelling, Joey, please save him. I turn around and said, shut the, you know what, right to Russ, shut the F up. I set the hell down as I'm working on him, you know. And, and, you know, and, uh, and it just, you know, it's no problem, you know, whatever. And it was funny. And, and it was in the paper the next day, you know, they asked John, you know, if, if the cut affected anything, whatever. And he said, nah, I was no problem. Cause I knew I had Joey I. and he goes, I think he did a really good job. And they said, yeah, he did. And he said, yeah, I think I'll give him an extra $5. And uh, and Russell, in his his infinite way, said, no, no, no. He only gets what he's supposed to get. Don't give him any extra. And I said, yeah, thanks, Russell. Thanks a lot. But, um, you know, that was Uh, was one time. Um, Another time, it was a situation similar. Before before you go on, who picks up the check at the table first, Letterman or or Pelts? Uh, Oh, my God. That's a tough one. That is really a tough one. Um, Hardest question I have asked you, huh? It is, yes. If Russell said he would pick up the check, then he would. But he, but that's probably not going to come out of his mouth, though. You understand what I'm saying? Like, if he, he is fair, right, right. he will give you what he says he will, but not right. a penny more, not a penny less. Okay. But 
Harold, oh no, Harold never t- turns down a meal, you know, never, and, and you know, no, no, we, I went out one night and must have brought about 18 people with him, and we sat down and <laughs> I picked up the damn check for him, but wow. uh, him and a bunch of people there with him, you know what I mean, but hey, you know, you know, and you know what it is, he's, he's, I guess, you know, he knows, in boxing, he's legendary, everybody knows him, everybody loves him, you know, and, you know, but, you know, he will pinch the, pinch a quarter till the friggin' uh eagle was screaming you know but uh, but a hell of a guy yeah you know but um you know he he uh it is what it is some people are you know you run into a lot of that in boxing you know mm-hmm. especially the guys who run around with two two loaves of bread under their arm crying right, right. you know yes yes that's yeah, always know plenty of that yeah but that mm-hmm. that's a hard question that was a hard one that is uh you know uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, All right. Yeah. No. The, you know. Yeah, sorry the, to put you on the spot. Uh, no. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Yeah, you didn't really put me on the spot. I'm just saying that was that was a tough question. That's <laughs> one of yeah, those. No, just, uh, you know, the tree falls in the forest. Yeah. Being what you, yeah, yeah. Being yeah. that you said that. Uh, so uh, we have, we do have a few minutes left. I know I, I said give me two stories, but uh, I have another question for you that uh, sure. came to mind as you were speaking of this. Uh, when you have a fighter and, and you look at their their facial structure, can you tell right away that they're going mm-hmm. to be a bleeder? Is that is that a yep. thing? Yep. So tell, what do you oh, look yeah. for? Well, what are you looking all, for? First of all, well, first of all, every white guy just has what they call white man's disease. I mean, you know, some of some guys are a little bit, you know, the, the lighter the skin, honestly, they have that, the, they have that it, it's just in their pigment and it's in the, they have the fairer skin. They have that they, they've like paper thin skin. Then you get some guys like some of the Spanish guys with the high cheekbones and the high eyebrows and things like that. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just it's kind of stereotypical, but some, a lot of it is true. I mean, you get a lot, a lot of black fighters just really have that tougher skin. Italian guys too. A lot of Italian guys just have that 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 olive skin that's that's tougher. Um, but like I said, when you see some of these guys and they've got the high eye the, the eyebrows that are just sticking out and the and the um and the cheekbones and stuff, it's like like uh, Gabby Rosado. I would automatically first from, before the fight even started, I'd have an ice bag mm-hmm. on his face. Right, right. Knowing that, you know, what I mean, I'm like, I gotta start this before anything because he, you know, he was a bleeder and he had a lot of scar tissue in different areas. By the time I got to him, um, and he, um, he what you call, it, you know, he he had those those high eyebrows and everything, and it just was, you know, it was almost like there were there was like razor blades under his skin, just waiting to pop through, you know, cut mm, through his skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you have to, you have to. I mean, I look at guys like that when I wrap guys' hands. I look at their hands, any marks, any this, any bumps, and you know, you know, massaging their hand to check to make sure. Well, maybe I need to go a little better here, and maybe they have small wrists or or big knuckles that protrude, or you, you know, what I mean, bent fingers. You know, I, I, it, you just, you know, it comes with the territory, but you just, it just becomes second nature, and you know, you just like like you said, you're you're looking for that stuff right out of mm-hmm. the gate. Right, right. All right, cool. And I tell cool. a lot of guys after they've been cut, you know, to um once the once it heals, every day for a month, put pickle juice on on the cut, and it will toughen the skins to help. Not that it's a guarantee, but to help that it won't happen again. Oh, okay, good, good tip there. So glad, glad you had, we had yeah, you back you on. Uh, but <laughs> as fast as you come, you came. Uh, and, I know you're going to have fun with that one. As fast as you came, Joey, yeah. uh, is, is, is as fast as you have to go. That's not what you uh, said. 
So, uh, uh, you know, now that we've taken the show to another level, but uh, uh, I I appreciate you for coming on. Yeah, (laughs) I appreciate you coming on for (laughs) a few extra minutes until our next segment. But I love any time to talk about boxing is great. You know, you know, I, I love it. And I'm glad you. you guys do what you do. I mean, this is what helps keep boxing going, keeps it alive. I mean, you know, you know, million years ago, you know, Christ, every newspaper would have every what every stinking fighter was doing if they took a shit or they friggin' were going right, to win a title, right, or whatever. Right. Nowadays, you can't, nothing. you know, you don't see anything. I mean, there was nothing in Philly when Danny Garcia was fight in his last for his last fight, before yeah, it, and after it. It was, there was very little in New York when for the Jacobs fight, and it was in New York and everything. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Horrible. I mean, I mean, horrible. it's just, it just, it is. It's a shame. I mean, we need that. You know, I mean, years ago, I, I used know. to hear all the stories from the old timers from the fifties who would say that they, everybody in town would know what every amateur was even doing because they, they right, would cover right. it. And you, know, every, you know, and it's a shame. But it's a shame. It is a different now, world. Now I don't and, want to open up know. a whole can of worms and get. Uh, Going because I do have to go, but I, I this is a point I thought to myself after the Jacobs fight, where so many people were, you know, saying derogatory things about both guys in terms mm-hmm. of their skill, the diehard fans, C Triple G's, not all that. He's not, not you know, and, and right. I'm, I'm I'm saying it in a kind way. So I'm saying to myself, no wonder right. why mainstream guys don't want to cover this. If the fans who live and breathe it every day don't if know the what they have, automa- right? Yep. Why should you know? Why should the newspapers cover it if you're saying this is garbage and not the way it was? Exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. So that, yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're right. You're right. It, it, and it's hard. It's just. It's just. You know. It's a hard way to make a living all the way around. And like you're yeah. saying. When so many sports writers can can make a buck easy, much easier covering baseball or football or even girls mm-hmm. lacrosse. I mean, right, you know, right. Yeah, you're right. Well, thank you, Joey, and uh, we're going to have you on oh, again no soon. We'll talk soon, and uh, hopefully I get to see you in Jersey on, in November. That thank would be you again. great. I would love to have you out. Thank All you. All right, I'll get some right. information okay. off the air from you on that. Take it easy. All right, uh, Joey, I, uh, Cutman, and the show savior, but uh, we should be able to get uh, – Zach Ramsey on uh, and his manager uh, right after this. So let's see. Uh, let's go back to uh, let's see a little Joe Frazier. Serious trouble. Does not appear to have much left at all. Frazier moving in now. So what an act of sportsmanship on Frazier's part. He eased up and let Buckner go down. The, no- the nose area now is starting to bleed again on Buckner's part. Joe trying to get it away. Put you away. The 
was sensational. He looked as if the bell was never going to go. And Andy Smith there, Buckner's manager, the little fella, came running in the ring. So did Young Durham as well. They were both looking pretty worried. The referee didn't hear the bell. We didn't hear it ringside. And certainly the fighters didn't. But now we're going to start round 11. And we've got two fighters to worry about. Joe Buckner's left knee buckled. And then he came back and he staggered Joe Frazier over on the other side. This is the same area where Frazier was hurt near the end of the 10th round. And he is tired. The crowd sensing that Bugner can come back here in the final two rounds. Harry Gibbs trying to keep them apart. Not wanting them to tie up. watching two tired heavyweight fighters. That left hand of Frazier still busy. Is the place where Buckner got in trouble and buckled and fell down. All righty, we are back live to Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. And my next guest is a professional fighter with a record of seven and one, three KOs, a uh, very decorative amateur career. He is in fighting on April the 7th against Devontae Jones in Rhode Island. And uh, we're also joined by his manager, Vinicius Colpino. Welcome to the show, Zach Ramsey. Zach, I'm opening up your mic first. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. All righty. Good stuff. Thank you. And uh, Vinny, I'm opening up your mic uh, as well. So you both are on the air live. Thanks. How you doing? Oh, great, great. Thank you for uh, both coming on this evening. Uh, Zach, uh, before we talk about your upcoming fight and your professional career, uh, let's go back a little bit. Uh, your upbringing as a child, when did you discover uh, boxing and when did you realize you wanted to pursue yeah. this uh, sport? Um, well, I started boxing when I was about eight years old. You know, my father was like, you're going to learn how to do karate. Where you gonna learn how to box? And I didn't really like doing all the stretching, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try to boxing out. You know, my first fight, you know, I got beat up real bad, and my dad thought I wanted to quit. He was like, I could take you out if you want, but I just stuck with it. Then after that first fight, I probably won about 30 fights straight, and then I just stuck with it. And uh, what did you learn in that, that first fight where you said you got beat up pretty bad? Uh, how did you transition from that to uh, having uh, this uh, big winning streak that you described? Uh, what changes did you make? Because I learned that it ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about, you know, how hard you can get hit and keep and keep going, just like Rocky said. All righty. So uh, you turn amateur and you have a wonderful – amateur career great record as an amateur talk a little bit about uh, your amateur career what you learned and uh, what when did you realize that you wanted to turn professional um yeah as an amateur I was like 96 and 4 um uh, I wanted to turn pro after I fought in the golden gloves and I came up short in the finals and you know I was just tired of getting trophies I wanted to fight for some money you know, I'm putting my life on the line. Every time I step in that ring, I feel like, you know, it's time to get paid for it. 
All righty. And when you did turn pro, it was uh, back in 2012. Uh, you fought in Rhode Island against uh, Alan uh, Beeman. You were uh, you, you stepped in the ring. I watched this fight. You stepped in the ring like you were uh, a seasoned pro, but you, you were doing some things that the, only the you know the top. Uh, fighters the Ali's the Roy Joneses would get away with for a long time with your hands down you're even uh bent down to a point where the ref had to wipe your gloves you were giving uh, a lot of angles you were leading with a lot of right hands you were showcasing a nice uh jab as well quick flashy combinations but spent most of that fight with your hands way down low which is something the trainers would not advise you to do what was the story behind that um you know, it was like my whole life I've been waiting for that moment, you know, to finally turn pro, to finally, you know, fight in front of a big stage like that. And, um, you know, I watched a lot of guys coming up like Roy Jones, um, Pernell Whitaker, Ali, um, Prince Hassim Ahmed, you know, those right, are real flashy right. guys. So that's where I, where I really get my style from. So, you know, um, it wasn't that... I was trying to like show off. I was just being myself. Right. Uh, did it uh, relieve the nerves somewhat? Did you have the butterflies at the fight? All fighters talk about being nervous, no, no matter if it's their first fight or their 50th fight. Uh, was doing those things in the ring, were they stress relievers as well? Because you seem rather comfortable um, in, the, in the ring. Yeah, I wasn't really too nervous because, you know, I had 100 amateur fights and I've been in there with all types of fighters, you know, guys who can hit hard, guys who are fast. I didn't see every kind of style. So um, I was pretty comfortable. I was just excited to ride and be in front of those big, be under the big lights. Now, now you appear to be a lot taller than what they list you at. I think they list you at 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, uh, you have a, a perfect build for boxing, long arms. Uh, it, it, are those accurate dimensions? Are, are you 5'8"? Because you yeah, look I'm not a lot tall. taller. I'm, I'm not as tall as people think. I'm like 5'7". I just got long arms. I'm really short. I'm yeah, really that, not that tall. Be, that must be it because you, you look much taller. It's just my arms. My arms are long. You're currently uh, listed as a welter. Uh, your last fight was one forty, was one forty-one and a half, uh, but you you were over one forty-five for most of your other fights, except for your pro debut. Your first two fights. Talk a little bit about what weight you want to be comfortable at. Yeah, I feel more comfortable at one thirty-five. Um, you know, most of my fights I, I fought bums. You know, so a bum at one thirty-five is the same as a bum at one forty-seven at one forty. You know, they were just. A lot of guys, they were calling me last minute for fights, you know, and I was just taking it because, you know, the competition wasn't too heavy. So it really didn't matter to me. I was, Sometimes I was sparring light heavyweights in the gym. So, you know, and, you know, I'm a right, guy right. from the streets, you know, in the streets and in the streets, it's, 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 I had a lot of fights in the streets and it's, and there's no weight class, you know. I can't be like, oh, this guy weighs too much. We can't fight. Oh, oh, let me go to the house and get my gloves, you know. So, you know, I, I, came, up, I came up rough, you know, so. Right, Weight don't right. even really matter to me. All right, yeah, so uh, it looks like the the rough, 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 rough upbringing and your amateur career has really uh, paved the way for you to be a relaxed, seasoned pro at such a sung, such a young age and early in your career. Yeah, um, you know, I'm just trying. I just get in there and just just do what I do best. 
Now, what about you talked about the weight? It doesn't matter and all that. Your pro debut has you listed at one thirty-five. In terms of your approach to cutting weight, uh, being ready for that uh, weigh-in, how much weight do you have to cut the week of the fight? Uh, Have you had any uh, trouble cutting weight? Uh, Sometimes it could be a dangerous thing that uh, takes a lot of energy out of you. Um, Honestly, I've never had a weight problem in my life. The most I've ever had to cut weight was probably about five pounds. Right now, I'm walking around about 139, so I might have to cut, like, three or four pounds for the fight. And, you know, I can just sweat that off right quick, you know. Weight has never really been an issue for me because, you know, I'm kind of I'm skinny. So, yeah, know, weight's not a big issue for me. Good, good. Uh, yeah, th- th- that's good because we we hear so many horror stories about to have people having to cut weight and all of that. Uh, give us a little bit of self evaluation of, of yourself. Uh, if you were to analyze yourself as a boxer up till now, uh, uh, give us a little quick uh, evaluation of uh, Zach Ramsey, the fighter. What, how would you describe your style? Um, you know, I like to move a lot. Um, I could sit there and bang it out if I want to, but. I prefer to move, box, stay on the outside, you know, throw combinations, pop shot, you know, win on points. I wouldn't consider my consider myself a real big knockout guy, but you know, I like to wear or like wear my opponent down. So in the later rounds I like to look for the knockout. Um you know, um I would consider myself an all around fighter. You know, I can I can I can mix it up and I can move. What aspect of your game do you feel you have to work on the most at this point? Um, I feel personally I need to work on my stamina. Yeah, because, um, you know, I've never really been 10 or 12 rounds before. Um, you know, most of my fights were like four rounds and six rounds. Um, so, you know, my stamina is a big thing, but I've been in training camp. I've been waking up 3 o'clock in the morning, running mountains. I just ran six miles the other day. I ran this morning, you know, so this fight, they're going to see a real different Zach Ramsey. All righty. Now, this question is for your manager, Vinny Scolpino. Vinny, uh, welcome back to the show. How are you doing tonight? How's it going, Anthony? It's going great. Thank you for coming on. And uh, talk a little bit about, uh, Zach, when you first, uh, you know, discovered him and how you got uh, hooked up with him. I was at uh, Old School Boxing Gym in Springfield or right about there and I saw this kid in the ring he threw himself in, no head gear and uh, he did his thing for like three or four rounds and then he was beat he got out I went outside, I talked to him, I said you got talent but you need to get, get in training camp, you know, so couple months went by, spoke to his, uh, his current manager at the time, and we made a deal. I took Zach over, and we got Zach in a big fight, and he's been in camp for four weeks, and I think we're going to see a tremendous Zach Ramsey that no one else expected would actually survive training camp. Um, mm. So I'm happy for him, and we just need the big win. That's what we're looking for. Big win, and then put him right back into camp and get him right in the game. All right. Now, uh, either one of you could answer this one. Uh, uh, I did not see the last fight uh, where it says you dropped a 
majority decision loss. Talk a little bit about that. Was that, in your minds, a legitimate decision, or did you feel you were robbed? Um, I definitely, I, yeah, I definitely thought I was robbed that fight. Um, yeah, I fought, honestly, I probably got hit two or three times out the whole fight. Um, I dropped a kid twice, and they didn't call it a knockdown. You know, um, I think um, the promotion had certain interests in that fighter. That's why they went his way with the decision. Mm-hmm. But I definitely mm-hmm. feel that I won the fight. But, you know, I'm not going to have any excuses. I'm just going to get back in there and do what I got to do for the next one. I think you took that fight, what, on a week's notice? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely on a week's notice. Yeah, so he had a different, you know, management team, and it was a little loose. So we tight now. Zach's tight. And like I said, I think he's going to shock people come April 7th at Twin River Casino. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the April 7th uh, fight. Zach, your opponent is uh, Devontae Jones. His record is 9-0, and undefeated uh, guy. Uh, big fight for you. Talk a little bit about uh, what do you know about your opponent? Have you seen any uh, footage of him? What are you expecting? Honestly, I don't know anything about my opponent. i seen one fight with him. He knocked the guy out in about a minute. So he really can't really judge too much off of that. And the guy he was fighting wasn't really a good fighter, so... I couldn't I couldn't really judge too much off of off of how how good he is, but at the end of the day, I've been boxing since I was eight and there's not really too many styles that I haven't seen before. So I personally feel as long as I'm in shape, I'll be ready for whatever he brings to the table. Alrighty, and uh, Vinny, do you have anything to add uh, about Jones? Uh, looks like a strong guy, uh, nice knockout percentage. Uh, what else can you tell us about him? Well, listen, I think I think Jones is a perfect opponent for Zach Ramsey. It's going to motivate him to work hard, which he needs to do. Um, we're also fighting for a New England title. Um, so we have a little title belt on the line, which I think is more motivation. Um, I think the kid is, a, a, is definitely a um, quality fighter. And I think it's just going to bring the best out of Zach Ramsey because – you know, the last fight, he was in no shape at all to even be in the ring. He took the fight, you know, on short notice for whatever reasons. But he he actually, from the people I spoke to, he actually won that fight. I wasn't there, so I can't judge it. But from what, you know, 10, uh, 10 people that I talked to, all 10 said that he won that fight. But now we have a different corner. Like I said, I think, I think Devontae Jones is going is gonna to be a great opponent for Zach Ramsey. All righty, and uh, can you tell the fans uh, if we can see the fight, where we can see the fight on April the 7th? Yeah, Twin River Casino in Rhode Island. Um, and I believe they also have it streaming live on uh, on an Internet TV. I'm not sure of that, but it is on their website. All righty, good stuff there, gentlemen. Thank you uh, for your time. Zach Ramsey uh, in action. We thank you for coming on so close to fight time against Devontae Jones. Uh, now's the time for some closing remarks. Any social media you want the uh, fans to know about, Any anybody you want to give special thanks to, now's the time. Thank you for coming on tonight. All right, thank you. You know, um, if you guys want to look me up on Facebook, um, Zach, AK40, AK47 Ramsey, Um you know, I just I'm just looking forward to doing the best I can do come April seventh 
looking for the knockout. Um, everybody that tuned in, thank you for taking the time to listen. That's about it. All righty, thank you. And uh, Vinny, do you have any uh, closing remarks? Yeah, I just want to say thanks, Anthony, for having us on again. And uh, we're going to see a great fight come April seventh. So you guys tune in if you can if you can buy it on their little pay per view internet pay per view. Watch it; it's going to be a it's going to be a barn burner. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Looking forward to the fights, and you, gentlemen, have a good rest of your evening. All right, take it easy. All right, thank you. So yeah, uh, I've seen uh, a lot of uh, Zach's fights. Did not see the last fight that he uh, lost, and, and his opponent uh, was kind of had had a, uh, a hefty record. Uh, had I think close to 19 professional fights going into that fight, uh, but no footage uh, that I could find of that fight. But the footage I have seen of uh, Zach, a uh, great build for boxing, all arms. Uh, very flashy combinations. Uh, he's going to have to, I think, learn to keep his hands up a little more when the top competition gets tougher, but uh, I think that'll come naturally. But uh, definitely a talent, a good amateur background, and he's trying to put it all together. And he's not going in there soft, and he's not uh, you know, shy from taking uh, a- any kind of fight. He's welcome to the challenge. It's not about protecting or padding his record, which is good. I, I think that's the best way a young fighter could learn. So thank you for that. When we come back, we're going to have on Larry Friars right after this. To have been well-conditioned fighter. Maselli, a professional for two years, has a devastating left hook. Fulmer batters Maselli to the canvas here in round one. Maselli takes the mandatory count. Now it's Fulmer trying to finish it quickly. Maselli, a very tired boy. Rough customer has an unorthodox style that is difficult to defend against. Maselli goes down from a hard right to the body. listening to some uh, footage of some really great uh, uh, fighters. Uh, we're back live on Zoot's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you sweet science straight up with no twist. And uh, my next guest was another guest that was supposed to be on last week, but uh, we were doomed to uh, technical difficulties that uh, have worked much better this evening. We had a little hiccup with Joey where he had a call in, but all these other callers have been working out. So, my next guest is a professional fighter uh, with a record of 3-0, and one knockout. He was born in Ireland. Ireland. He now lives in New York. He was on the undercard of the Michael uh, Conlon uh, debut in Madison Square Garden Theater on uh, March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. He actually was the first fight of the evening. I was there. He had a great uh Great uh, crowd support there. There were a bunch of people in, in one section in particular that were cheering him on, and he performed really well. Knocked the man out, knocked the man down he was facing in the first round. Uh, cruised on to an easy victory, and he's here to share some of his time with us tonight. Larry Friars, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, yeah, cheers. I have to say, no, it's great, it's great of you to ask me to be on your show. You know, I'm really delighted to be on it, and I'm really happy to talk. Talk talk with you about you know what what it was like to box in Madison Square Garden and 
you know, what it's been like to be a pro so far. Yeah, and, and, you know, and go ahead. Uh, for, before you get into it, though, I want to talk a little bit about the move. Uh, born in Ireland, when did you come to the States? How long have you been a resident of New York? I've been a resident of New York now going on two years. You know, me okay. and my, and, me and, and what led to the decision to move here? Uh, my my fiance, we um, came over. She has family over here, and we had originally just come over for the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just just for three months, and it ended up we came over. You know, and we ended up we liked it, and we just decided to stay. You know, and when I when I originally came over here, you know, I I wasn't boxing at the time. You know, I had been out of the sport for three years prior to coming to New York. And, you know, as I said, me and me, and my fiance were here. We, we were working and things were going good. And just by pure chance, one evening I was over doing my driving theory test in the Catskills. And my father had always had always told me about Mike Tyson's gym. You know, his, his gym was in the Catskills. And he had always said to me, you know, Jesus, you, you, don't, you, know, you don't live that far from the Catskills. Why don't you go in and take a look at it and see what it's like and just by this by pure chance this day you know we came out of the theory test and right across the road was Mike Tyson's gym and my fiance said to me she says look we're here now let's just go over and take a look and you know at least this way then you can tell your father you know that you've been you've seen Mike Tyson's gym and you know we can all we can all be happy so um, you know like that's what I done I went over and we went in and Mike Tyson's gym is actually above a police station, you know. So we went into the police station and we were talking to the woman behind the desk, and she told us the the place was shut, but she gave me a number to ring, and she says mm-hmm. if I ring this number, I'd be fit to get a tour of Tyson's old gym. Wow. You know, so we left we left Tyson's gym that day, and about two weeks later, just by pure chance, I was looking through my wallet, and there was this number, and just the curiosity got the better of me, and. I ended up making that call. You know, I rang the number, I was talking to the guy. I was only talking to the guy to see about getting a tour, and before I knew it, he was asking me about my background in boxing. And You know, he asked me, would I ever be interested in fighting again? And for whatever reason, I said yes. And before I knew it, he says, well, look, come down to the gym on Friday. Bring your gear. I'll have you meet a couple of coaches, and we'll take it from there. And that was, that was how I ended up getting back into boxing. All right, good stuff there. So take us to the night of March the 17th, an electric night, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, big night in New York City anyway, as it is in many places around the world. Uh, talk a little bit about that night. And uh, just before you go on, I want to make a correction. You knocked your opponent down in the second round, not the first. But take us through that night and the fight. Uh, gee, oh, well, look, that, that, that night is... You know, it's something that's going to live with me for the rest of my life. You know, as I, as I said, you know, if I never boxed again, you know, I would retire a happy a happy boxer knowing that I got to live a dream that hundreds of boxers never got the chance to do. You know what I mean? Like Madison Square Garden, it's, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, like I've, I've boxed in a lot of stadiums and I've, I've, I've boxed in different countries, but... What I got that night walking out into that stadium was a feeling I'll never get again. You know, it was, it, I had the hair standing on the back of my neck. You know, I was just, the adrenaline that was going through me, I'd never felt anything like it. You know, and when I, when I stepped in that ring and had 
had the fans cheering me on. You know, it was just, you know, it just made, that there was the moment that I realised why I loved doing boxing. You know what I mean? To have that, that feeling running through your veins, you know. That's why that's why boxers do what they do, you know. That's why I do what I do, you know. It's for the love of the sport. And that there is what drives me on. to want to keep doing it and keep getting on to them shows and keep performing, you know, at this level. And the way it was, was, you know, I remember the first round. It was actually the first round to put them down. You know, it was coming to the end of the first round. You know, I was controlling the first round. And uh, I got to work into a routine, you know. I was double jabbing and throwing the right to the body. And he was he was he was finding I was doing that, you know. So what he started to do was duck down to protect his body. And what he was doing, he was leaving his head open. So I just timed him into the corner, done the double jab. At that, he dropped his hands to the body, and I came over the top of the right hand, and you know it just caught him flush and put him down. And at that, I knew I, at, at that I knew I had him, you know. So he could see a bit of bell at the end of the first round, and at the, at the start of the second, I went on him again. Knew I was hurting him, and like that, I threw another overhand right, and that's when I ended up doing the damage that I've done to my hand at the minute. I ended up um, fracturing my hand and putting having three dislocations in my right hand from from the shot I caught him within the second, and that there ended up changing the uh, changing the way I had the box the rest of that fight. You know, I'm an aggressive fighter. I like to come forward and. As soon as I hit him with that shot, I felt the pain shoot right up my arm and I knew something had happened. I knew then I broke my hand and pretty much I had to just go into, into boxing mode and change it up, you know, and I had to start boxing a bit more on the back foot, something I'm not good at, you know, I'm not really used to, but, you know, it's, it was an experience, something that's going to stand to me in the future and, you know, I ended up doing it pretty well, you know, I have to say, give myself a bit of credit. Yeah, definitely. Boxing the back foot, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that overly hard. But as I say, it made for it made actually for a very interesting last two rounds, you know, because in the third I ended up having to resort to working off my jab a lot more, just constantly timing him, making sure countering him, you know, and come the fourth round then, you know, I knew I was ahead, but I knew I was three rounds up and the right hand started to actually get a bit numb. And because I had such a crowd there cheering me on and the adrenaline, you know, I ended up firing the right hand in the fourth round, you know, because I wanted to try and get the finish. I knew if I hadn't hurt the right hand, I would have got the finish a lot earlier. But look, at the end of the day, I kept throwing the right hand in the fourth round. I was wobbling him with it, you know, and at that stage, the pain was gone, you know. It was just pure adrenaline running through the hands at that stage. And um, look, I just remember, you know, the 10-second bell going at the end and the crowd roaring and cheering me on and, me and him just went for it, you know, we started throwing punches and I remember that bell just going and I remember actually just taking a look around the stadium and just going to myself, Jesus Christ, I have just, I have just boxed in Madison Square Garden and, and I knew I had won, you know what I mean, and that feeling that was going through me, you know, I could hear me, me family and friends up in the crowd roaring and cheering me on and, you know, I just, even though I knew it was bad, that I knew I'd done a good bit of damage to my right hand, you know, nothing was going to take away from that night, and all I could think about was, right, get myself together, get the hands seamed up, and get back training, and hope to God that, you know, it won't be too long before I'm back doing it again. Yeah, you and know, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you had surgery. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think you had surgery last uh, 
Thursday when you were supposed to come on the air with us. So talk about how it was. I'm assuming and I'm hoping the surgery was successful. And uh, what kind of timetable are you looking at in getting back? Yes, the, the surgery, yes, I had it last Thursday. Um, I went and seen a hand specialist last Monday. And it turned out I had a, a serious fracture in the in the, in the the right hand, along with three dislocations in the right hand. So he says to me, look, we're going to do an operation and we're going to do a procedure. There's going to be a bone transfusion where they took uh, some bone from my hip and they installed it into my hand, you know, and... Um, so Thursday came, I called, I went in, and I ended up, got the procedure done by Dr. Malone, who is a hand specialist in Manhattan here, and, you know, I was a bit, I was a bit skeptical and a bit worried about getting this operation done, you know, on the time scale, but, you know, this guy has worked, he's done, he's done a Toro Gaddy's hands, he's done loads of pros, you know, that that's his field, mm-hmm. he's worked in hand, in hand surgeries and fixing hands, so, once he sat down with me and explained to me, you know, who he has worked with and told me pretty much that once his hand's fixed, I'm going to be coming back stronger and better. You know, I, I was confident and I was in the right hands. And, look, the operation was a success. I've been back to see him twice now. And I've got x- x-rays on the hand. And at the minute, there is six six steel rods going through the hand. You know, I've got the, the bone transfusion as well. And the time scale we're looking at here at the minute is... I'm roughly going to be in a cast for six to eight weeks. It's looking more more to the eight-week mark. I have to go back in six weeks' time for him to take out the, the metal rods. I have six them going through my hand, so he has to take them out. Then he wants to put me back in a cast for two weeks just to give the hand that extra two weeks to settle. And after the eight weeks in the cast, then I go back and he's going to remove the cast completely and he's going to start me on a... It's going to be an eight-week program of rehabilitation to get the hand and the arm back in the back of the strength so that I can start start punching with it again. So look, it is it is a it is a blow and you know it is a bit of a downer because I was due to actually fight again on the fifteenth of April. But it looks now like I'm not gonna fight again probably we're probably looking at five to six months, you know what I mean? I wanna make sure that I'm back up to full fitness and I wanna make sure that the hand's good and the arm's good. And I just want to make sure that I don't rush myself back in it, you know what I mean? Because I want to, right. I want to get back and want to be 100% fit. And I want to pick up where I left off and pretty much start fighting again every month, you know? I want so, to get the uh, record back up. So, I mean, maybe uh, you shut it down for the whole rest of 2017 or maybe a late November, early December comeback. Sounds like the earliest possible uh, scenario from what you're describing. Pretty much, if I could, if I could get, you know, end of September, start of October, you know, that would be great. You know, mm-hmm. the, the guy, the surgeon I'm working with, you know, he's top class, you know, and he he's gonna, he, he told me he's gonna get me back, he's gonna get me back when he thinks it's right, and you know, right, he's right. he's given he's given a time scale of four to five months. So mm-hmm. look, I'm kind of hoping, I'm kind of hoping now, you know, come the end of. The end of September. No, yeah, of October. so October is not out of the question. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and if I do get back from October, then I'm hoping October, November, December. There's no reason I couldn't I couldn't get another three fights by the end of the year. You know? Right, right. Because the way I was going, I was fighting every month 
you know, and I had another fight lined up in hockey. Another fight lined up in April, and then we were looking at the end of May as well. So, you know, as I say, the fights were coming thick and fast, so I don't see why there shouldn't be any reason that we shouldn't pick up where we left off once I come back for come back to full fitness, you know. Right. All right, good. So we, we wish you we wish you luck on that aspect, and uh, definitely want to see you back in the ring, but not too soon. Not soon where you. Not fully ready. No. So, uh, no, I know I you're in. You're, sure I know you're in ready. good hands with that. So uh, good. Yeah. So, uh, so just a couple more questions. We're going to get to ringside with Jeff Bumpus in a few minutes. But uh, uh, I want to ask you about the move from Ireland to uh, New York in terms of a lifestyle transition. Uh, talk a little bit about that. What have been some of the, the more difficult aspects of uh, moving here? What took a little bit more time getting used to, or, or maybe nothing? Maybe it was just a natural transition for you. So speak about that a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I have to say, you know, me and my fiance, when we moved here, you know, it was just, it was, it was just a great a great feeling and, you know, the city was a great, a great culture and, you know, we loved the, we loved the summers and we loved the, you know, the atmosphere that was over here and to be honest, you know, there was no real big transition, you know, the biggest transition for us would have been, you know, we were away from our families back home and, you know, that day I was taking a bit of getting used to, you know, you went from seeing them pretty much every day to, you know, to having to go months and months without seeing them. You know, that day was mm-hmm. that day was the hard that day was the hardest part, really. You know, right. not being able to see our families, but at the same time, you know, we we've just settled in. It's, it's been natural. You know, we didn't have to force it. We didn't have to work at it. You know, it just came natural to settle here, and I think that's why it was so easy for us to make the decision to move here permanently. Now, other than family, what's the thing you do miss the most about Ireland? I would say the thing I would miss the most is um, the cooking. You know, definitely, definitely the food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a it's a different different. You you wouldn't have as many fast food places in Ireland. You know, and the home the yeah. home cooking back in Ireland. <laughs> the home cooking back in Ireland is hard to beat. You know, I definitely I definitely do miss that. Wow, yeah. I mean, here's McDonald's on every corner. Uh, you got everything here. Uh, but uh, fancy yeah. restaurants as well. Uh, I don't know if you, you frequent that, but certainly not home cooking. A much different, uh, all preparing yeah. for taste, so it's not so healthy. <laughs> they prepare no, for taste. No, it's not so yeah. healthy. And, yeah. you know, you, you could get used to the old McDonald's, but <laughs> as I say, yeah. I love that. You know, we're, we're lucky, like, um, you know, my fiance, she's she's an amazing cook, and you know, she tries her best to get the home style brought in once in a while over here, and that there's great. You know, as I say, it's hard to beat a bit of home comforts while you're here. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, uh, in in terms of boxing, uh, coming to the end of our segment here, so uh, I want to get a feel of uh, where you're at in terms of a boxing fan. What boxers have you uh, admired from the past? Currently, who are some of the guys that you like watching? I mean, you were on the undercard of uh, uh, Michael Conlon, certainly another uh, big talent with a big fan base. Uh, growing up uh, and now currently, who are some of your favorite fighters? Growing up, growing up for me, you know, it was uh, Mickey Ward. You know, Mickey Ward is a look. I think it speaks for everybody. You know, the man was a legend. You know, and uh, for me, he was he was my favorite boxer growing up. Have you met Mickey? Have you met Mickey? He's a frequent. uh, He's frequently at the Boxing Hall of Fame in June. I met him a couple of times. Very nice guy. 
Yeah, no, I've, um, I'm hoping to get meeting him soon enough, you know. It would be a great honour to get meeting him, you know. I'd love to meet him, you know. It's not, you know, to get to meet your hero is is a pretty big thing. So hopefully hopefully somewhere along the lines I'll get to meet Mickey Ward, you know. And, um, yeah, as I say, growing up, Ricky Hatton would have been a... I would have loved watching him as well. And, you know, them two there, you know, with their styles of fighting, you know, that's that's kind of my style of fighting. I love the way them mm-hmm. boys fought, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the way I like to fight, you know. And as I say, you've got the greats as well, you know. You've got Ali, everybody loved watching Ali, Roberto Duran, Joe Frazier, you know, watching right. all them guys growing up. And, you know, for me, for me today, you know, there's some there's some very talented boxers out there. You know, especially especially in the welterweight division, my my division. You know, you've got Keith Thurman, you know, Danny Garcia. You know, them boys are top quality opponents. You know, and you know, I, I watched our fight there recently, and I have to say, you know, they're that's the quality of guys I'm hoping to be in against. You know, somewhere sooner down the line. You know, being involved in them kind of fights. So that's that's what all us boxers aspire to be. You know, everybody wants to be a world champion, but for me. What I want out of this game is to be in the fights that people are going to remember. You know, like I look at, I always watched uh, Mickey Ward and Toro Gatti, the first fight. Every t- the night before I'm due to fight, I always watch theirs because, you mm. know, that's what I made them towards. So I'd love to be in, in a couple of them fights for 10, 15 years down the line. People's going to go, Jesus, you remember that kid and who, you know, how he fought. And, you know, that's what I want to be remembered by. It'd be great to be a world champion, but. For me, it's, it's to be in the fights that the people's going to remember you for. You know, that's what I'm aspiring for. All righty, good stuff there. Uh, Larry Fires, last question I have for you, and this is an odd one. Never came up before, and we spoke about this briefly last week. Why in the world are you listed as Larry Gleason, G-L-E-E-S-O-N on BoxRec? That's uh, – <laughs> trust me, we, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't have a, a long enough – segment to talk about that but no uh, that's my mother's maiden name so it is ah. that's what's in, that's what's on my birth cert but my father's maiden name is Friars and that's that's the name I've always boxed under you know so, so that's, would you that's, want to switch to Larry Friars because I do know somebody at Box Record that could probably do that for you yeah that that would that would be great you know if All right, I'll, I'll speak I'll, I'll speak to him I'll speak to him yeah. and uh I, and I if and and with your permission, if he wants to contact you personally to ask, can I give him your contact information? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, yeah, you can do that. All right, he might not need it, but if he does, I just want to make sure. All right, so good stuff, yeah. uh, Larry Fries. Thank you so much. I'll definitely try and get that taken care of for you. Uh, I'll work on that tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon, and uh, we'll see, hopefully they'll get that done soon. But uh, thank you for your time. Now now's the time for some closing remarks. Any social media you want plugged? Anybody you want to give special thanks to? Now's the time. Thank you for coming on okay. one week late, but the, it's definitely worth the wait. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. You know, and I'd just like to give a big shout out to my father and my trainer for years, Jerry Friars, without him none of this be possible, and to my fiance, you know, who showed me nothing but love and support through all this journey. You know, to them people of I'm gonna be eternally grateful. And my manager Bob Miller and my promoter's life coach and my coach George Lewis. You know, a big thank you and a big shout out to all of you as well. So thank you so much for your time and for the talk. It's been great. Thank you. 
Thank you. I'm looking forward to speaking with you again soon. And since you're a New York uh, resident, as am I, uh, I'd like to meet you as soon, you know, as soon as you get uh, yourself and your health as well. Uh, we'll definitely meet and uh, talk some boxing in person. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'd love that. All right. Thank you, sir. And you have a good rest of your evening. You too. Thanks very much. Thank Bye-bye. you. Larry Fryers, uh, you know, bad break with the hand. Certainly uh, entertained on uh, the first fight of that uh, Madison Square Garden evening. Uh, asked to put his career on hold a little bit, but looks like he's in good hands. The uh, best in the business taking care of his hand. And uh, once he gets back, he wants to get right back on the bus and uh, continue fighting uh, once a month. I mean, we always love that. That's how uh, some of the best fighters have come up over the years. And uh, another fighter that is never uh, a stranger of... Uh, dealing with injuries and taking fights on short notice, uh, Mr. Jeff Bumpus. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be ringside with Jeff Bumpus to close the show. Welcome back to Zoots Boxing Talk. Moving right along here. Uh, back by popular demand. Uh, a guy who's seen and done it all in boxing. And one of the best books uh, out there. Becoming Taz, writing from the Southpaw Stance. Uh, Jeff Bumpus you know, wrote, wrote this book. One of the best boxing books written by a fighter, bar none. Uh, and 
one of the best analysts. I talk with this guy all the time off the air about fights. And uh, pleasure to have you back on the show with our ringside with Jeff Bumpus segment. Although we're starting much later than originally planned, uh, I promise you in the future we'll be on much earlier. But let's get right to it. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. So let's start off with Jorge Linares, Anthony Crowler, uh rematch. Uh, clear, unanimous decision win for Linares. Uh, I was a part of that uh, breed that thought it was one of the best uh, dominant performances of the year. Uh, well, when I spoke to you briefly about this off, off the air, you had a little bit of a different perspective. So let's hear it. Uh, what I what I saw was uh, uh, Linares was able to hold his ground, and uh, he was able to throw uh, a- a- accurately. I heard I heard from the uh, uh, cornerman for Linares or for uh, Crowa that uh, he was throwing. I guess you could call them shoe shine punches. What he was doing was he was making sure he was getting in two shots after Crowa was done. There was more eye catching. Um, Kroler really, I mean, he got rocked really good. I think it was the sixth round. But uh, he really was not, he he was in there with Linares for the whole thing. It's just that Linares was better with, the, was throwing more combinations. He was he was throwing more punches in there. And, and like I say, uh, when you're throwing the last two, it looks a lot better. It looks a lot more convincing than what it is. But, um he was edging these rounds. He wasn't really destroying them except for the sixth round. But uh, I, I just can't help but feel for Kroler because he was in there. He just didn't have the uh, the same hands, the same uh, balance of, that uh, uh, Linares has. And he wasn't able to throw combinations of seven, eight punches at a time. You know, he could get off two or three and keep his, you know, feet under him and everything, but he was having a hard time mastering the distance, and Linares is really good at that. That's one thing. He reminds me of Greg Haugen a lot. That uh, he, he, he controls the distance very well. Right. So you thought Linares was, was the victor. Uh, you just thought that oh. uh, he, he didn't uh, dominate. All right. So, all right, that, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining that. Uh looks like a Linares Mikey Garcia fight is set up. I would favor uh, Garcia, uh, heavily favor Garcia in that fight, although it's a fight I do want to see. I don't want to spend too much time on a fight. We don't know that's actually going to happen yet, but uh, preliminary thoughts on a a Mikey Garcia, Jorge Linares matchup, Jeff. Garcia with an edge in punching power. Uh, Boxing ability is uh, Linares, like I say, the thing with the, the shoe shine punches and it's not gonna it's not gonna work the same with with Garcia. Garcia's got just as just as much uh, boxing ability and and height and reach probably also. I haven't seen him standing side by side and I don't know I don't have a tail of tape to look at, but I I, I would I would say Garcia is probably the the bigger of the two. Uh, right. Just off of my my you know imp- impression I guess you could say of of, of when I've seen him. He's yeah, what you have etched in your mind, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have the same uh, feeling. He's not going to be able to to dictate. He's not going to be able to di- dictate the distance that. Uh, and, and I think Garcia will be able to control. And he's he's not going to be able to. Uh, I guess you could say 
bluff his way. I shouldn't say bluff because that's that's not right. Uh, he, he's not going to be able to play the judges by uh, throwing longer strings of combinations and receiving credit for things that are really amount to shoeshine stuff. I, I it's not. I, I really like Linares. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that I feel like uh, Krola could have pulled this one out if he had moved Linares back, but he was content to stay out there mm-hmm. on the end of those shots. If he would have pushed, you know, thought a little bit of a dirty fight, you know, pushed Linares back, forced him back, chased him, you know, made him made him continue moving. Linares was not nearly as effective when he was tired and pushed back against ropes. That was just my, that's just what I saw. Crow has got a good chance of winning a rematch. Right. Well, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen, but I think he's uh, moving forward to fighting Garcia. So Crowley will have to uh, win a yeah. couple of fights, I think, uh, for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't but, see, Gar- I don't see uh, uh, Garcia falling for the same, I shouldn't say falling for, I, I don't see him uh, uh, fighting the same fight, I guess you could say, that, uh, you know, Krola come barring up with his arms in front of his head yeah, and blocking off shots. He definitely and, would uh, pose out. a little bit more of a danger to uh, Lenares yeah. if he chose to fight, fight that style. Uh, you definitely have to switch it up. And uh, Intriguing, but uh, we have to wait for it to actually be officially announced before I could really get gaga about it but good preliminary discussion on that uh i don't know if you heard the joey eyes segment that uh, we were talking a little bit about uh what it Love takes it. How, how you how you prepare in the the corner uh you're a guy who fought all over the place fought everybody uh fought the best in the business uh were you, were you always confident in the men you had handling your cuts yeah uh they there weren't uh, the world famous you know guys but uh, uh they they they've taken a few cues of Eddie Aliano uh I fought Greg Haugen in at Atlantic City at uh, uh Resorts International and uh second round uh I I got a headbutt from Greg it was accidental there's no way he could you know do it with the back of his head and actually aim for me it was far from intentional it probably didn't feel too good for him either but my eye, I could feel my eye swelling shut inside of the first 30 seconds. It was, and, and Eddie Aliano kept that thing from going all the way shut. Matter of fact, I was able to, you know, it wasn't uh, too hard to see through it, really. It just uh, uh, didn't feel good the rest of the night, you know. But uh, I, I got to credit Aliano with, uh, you know, the clot with the, uh, keeping that from being a TKO because uh, right, the right. referee didn't see it, and uh, it, it would have, you know, if it would have closed, that would have, I would have been done, you know. So I got my own Eddie Aliano story. There you go. So uh, great stuff there, and obviously uh, the the best, one of the best ever. So uh, good stuff there, and uh, it's in keeping with what Joey I said about the the clot. So uh, let's mm-hmm. move forward and let's talk a little bit about the two big fights that, that we were supposed to talk about last week. Uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez falling to Soren Visay and a controversial by most people's standards twelve round decision. And depending on who you ask, Triple G winning a controversial twelve round uh, decision uh, against Daniel Jacobs. Uh, what were your yeah. impressions of both fights? They're they're very similar in 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 one way that I can think of is that uh, the expectations are so high for Roman and for uh, Triple G 
that when a guy is hanging with them and giving them a tough fight, you might be psychologically inclined to award them with more credit than what they're actually, you know, what they're actually doing in the fight. The the uh, uh, the the thing is, they had uh, two two guys in front of them who were absolutely determined. You know, Danny Jacobs is tough man. He beat cancer. He's 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 come back and and made his made himself uh, a world championship contender. Excuse me, a world champion and uh, you know a contender and. Uh, now he's a contender. Anyway, you can't just say uh, because he didn't fold. He wasn't the he wasn't the guy who just uh, uh, fell from the first shot. He, he you know he he has a decent chin. The 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 fellow that that fought Gonzalez he he took horrifying shots from Gonzalez and still pressed forward. He he was down himself if I recall correctly, and what we what we get psychologically what we see is when uh one of these really great pound for pound fighters is being pushed we start seeing oh you know he he's not as he's not as good as i thought he was this guy's this guy's actually beating him you know i had two or three people uh at the olympic the night i fought Chavez say you you were you were beating him. I look at how far back was your seat? You know, are you kidding? <laughs> and, you know, you were you were winning. No, I, no, I was standing with him and I was taking everything he was throwing, and I was willing to throw back and I was landing some shots of my own. But I, I had no problem with anybody who says he was winning the fight. You know, I mean that, that's kind of self evident. Okay, <laughs> but. We 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 hold them to such a high standard. Sometimes we've watched fights where they've hardly been hit. You know, they just mow people over. And the first time we see them in a fight where they have to dig down and and alter their style or or their their knockout punch doesn't take the guy out the first time, then we start to say, well, oh, oh, oh gosh, he's slipping. Oh, this this guy's beating him. You know. It, it's 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 uh it's unfair, it's unrealistic, but you know uh, it, it happens all the time. Right, right. So th- did you think both uh, decisions were justified? Did you agree with both decisions? Uh, Gonzalez a loser and uh, Triple G a winner. I I I thought that uh, I thought Gonzalez won. Um, it, it he it was it was it was really and I I, I got no problem with with uh uh triple g getting the decision it's a close fight uh, i i just as as far as the as the the uh the uh chocolatito fight i really think it's like it's like joey was saying earlier uh, that you see the blood and you see him getting hit back you know somebody's Somebody he hits somebody and they fold and they fall and it's done and he's TKO and he's a pound for pound great and this guy stands in there with him because he's in shape and he's determined and he's willing to sacrifice his body to try and win this fight and everybody says oh god 
gosh, you know, he's not, he's not KOing him. He's hitting him back. You know, this is, he, he's met his match. This guy's, you know, um, I, I really think that the majority of punches were probably landed by Chocolatito, but uh, I hung in. You know, I mm-hmm. I didn't really sit down and score that fight, so it's, it was it was tight enough that you'd really have to sit down and score it. You know, you'd have to pay attention, mm-hmm. shut yourself off from what happened in the last round, and just turn down the sound too. Watching. You don't want to listen to those guys as you're trying to. Score you don't want to listen to. I, <laughs> I try to. I try to never listen to the talking heads yeah. because they just they just make me mad. You know. Now, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, not to cut you off, Jeff, but we're, we're pressed against the clock here, so I want to get a, one more yeah, thing fine. in uh, on the live feed. We'll go a few minutes over if we need to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a fight that could have won either way. I'm going to sit down and score it intensely and report back next week and tell you what I think. Uh, but okay. uh, the thing that bothered me the most about these fights in this pay-per-view that HBO did is how, and it uh, shouldn't shock me because they do this all the time. But to, for me, it was even worse. And people were trying to use this in defense of, uh, you know, even though I thought triple G one as well, uh, the, the way they just used punch stats as a crutch in both fights, uh, yeah. copy box, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Uh, to me, it's just disgraceful. I mean, it, it has no, yeah. bear, especially the Gonzalez fight where they were, the action was so rapid. You're going to tell me somebody was actually sitting there and accurately keeping up with those punches. <laughs> and yeah. you've got to be kidding me. And uh, to have that as such a big part of uh, the telecast to me is sinful. I mean, uh, you know, a harmless thing that people want to discuss after the fight, uh, but it's much more than that. They stuff it down your throats during the fight. They, they use it as a measuring stick for who should win the fight. They were clearly upset that Gonzalez lost. It was one of their, one of their fighters and they wanted to show that punch stats did not agree with the judges as Howard Letterman did not agree with the judges, which one of the judges is actually his daughter who <laughs> went against him, which was pretty funny. But uh, I, I, I think it's horrendous how they just punch that. So we, I mean, in two important fights like that, let your mind do the talking, not what some guy at the keyboard who we don't even know yeah. does. Yeah. There's no possible way they could have been keeping up accurately. And it has no bearing on the scoring anyway. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, 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 my understanding is that they press a button and that scores a punch. But um, what I what I've been kind of wondering is that they're not taking a pencil and being bored and just looking off into the distance and tapping, you know, because you, go, you know, tapping the controller because you go, what what in the world is he looking at? You know? Yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, anything that is not a jab is considered a power punch landed. How could you gauge that in terms of anything <laughs> of any substance? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it has no bearing in reality to what a prize fight is. And the product stinks. I remember a fight, it was Randall Bailey, I forget who, and they was barely throwing anything and their punch stats were way off. Even Jim Lampley, I think it was Jim Kellerman, I forget which one, questioned the accuracy. If they can't keep up with a fight with such little activity, how are we going to look at a, a fight like the, the Gonzalez fight and think that there's any accuracy? And even if they were balls on accurate, my cousin Vin, Vinny uh, moment, 
Who cares? It has no bearing on how you score a fight round by round anyway. This is, you know, it, it, it is fact. And I, I, I have no idea who gets to decide, you know, who, and, and even the people that it, it's kind of like your secret government thing, you know, it, it's, who are these mysterious people who are pushing these little buttons at ringside? You know, I just, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you don't even know them. You you have no idea what their expertise level is. You have no idea. Uh, you know, it could have, it could be the the producer's, you know, cousin. You know, his son-in-law. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I know it's, Lee Groves. You know. Uh, Lee Groves was a respectable guy, a ring historian, uh, and all of that. I think he was one of the creators of it, and he does work it. Uh, well-respected guy. I like Lee, uh, but uh, this product has no business as being a major headliner in any kind of fight. I, I kind of wonder. Uh, it's. I think it's the punch stat thing started in the 80s, and, uh, you know, right. it, it – Reaffirmed it reaffirmed what some people thought and 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 some people had outraged and it but it regardless it got people talking about you know people argued about the fight you know uh, the uh, you're crazy uh, those punch stat things uh, yeah well you know you're you're upset because you're on the losing side you know I, you know I I I can't help but think that uh, uh, it's just a, just a conversation piece, much like you know something you have uh, you know a book you have on your on your table you know it's just something to talk about so it's a good thing if if we're talking about boxing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, we never needed it before. I mean, uh, all the fights I watch. Prior to it, it's just so much more enjoyable to. I mean, the, even Lampley, who I'm not the biggest fan of, he he, he was a much better uh, blow by blow guy before CompuBox when he you know he was started. I first remember him on ABC uh, and in his early days in HBO, where uh, CompuBox was not as uh, dominant as it is now. Uh, I don't know. To me, it's just annoying, and uh, people actually use that to defend. Uh, their feelings on who won. And that's where it becomes a major problem. Uh, You know, so it's like, you know, whatever. But uh, we are no longer on the live feed, Jeff. This is all archived. So uh, (laughs) uh, before we get out of here, I just want to tell everybody to follow me on Twitter at Zoot. Uh, 29, capital Z, lowercase U-T-E, 29. Uh, Go to Blog Talk Radio com become a follower of the show you could also subscribe to zoots boxing talk on itunes if you have any uh questions or comments about the show email me at zootsboxingtalk at yahoo.com go to ringsidereport.com and maxboxing.com for all your boxing fixes uh jeff anything else uh, that you wanted to bring up uh, before uh we, we commence uh next week our segment will be much longer uh but uh, we got on late, but uh, any other comments on the, those two fights or anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Well, last week we were able to talk to uh, Amir before, Mansoor before uh, technical difficulties set yes. in, and I had, yes. really, I had a great time listening to him talk, and I, 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 he's got a fan in me now, and I'm hoping to see him get, a, get his uh, another shot at the – uh, heavyweight title, and I hope he gets it this time. Uh, Did you get to see the fight yet? Uh, what's that? Did you get to see his fight yet with uh, Kaufman? Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a good one. That was a good yeah. one. 
I, I, you know, what what is there that's not the not the law about watching? You know that when you tune in, Miramon Surf fight, he's gonna he's gonna go to war. You know, and he's not he's not looking to leave it in the judges' laps. You know, he, he's gonna he's gonna go for the KO. And at what boxing fan doesn't like that? You know. I, I I like watching him fight. Easy guy to root for, and nice 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 guy too. The only guy ever, Jeff, long time ago, that actually called in to talk to us on the show when he was not scheduled. He, he just like called out of the blue, and I wound up putting him on. Because how could you not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so he, I he, he, I will uh, ever be a fan of his just on based on that alone. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and uh, listening to a young man that was uh, the last one you spoke to, Larry Friars, uh, I I I see a lot of of uh, I guess you could say I heard a lot of what I used to say myself, you know, when he was talking about Mickey Ward, you know, oh I'd love to meet him, you know, I, I used mm-hmm. to say things like that, you know, I, I that used to be me, and and I I really have high hopes for him, I, I really hope that uh, he he. He gets everything he wants in 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 this career. Yeah, and Mickey Ward, one of the more accessible uh, people at the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He he's, he was there both times that I went. Easy to get to have multiple things of his autograph. We'll be there again this June, so uh, I got to gather up some other stuff. I'm running out of thing. I got to get my more Mickey Ward memorabilia for him to sign, but always uh approachable uh and it's that's not always the case with all of these fighters most of them are pretty good but he, he's one of the best in terms of uh, be, just being able to approach him and uh, not only to sign your your stuff but to even conversate with you for a couple of minutes and i'm sure uh, a, yeah, guy like your, a guy like yourself would have a great conversation <laughs> yeah i could never understand why why would you go to those things and then not want to talk to people that's 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 the whole you know that's the whole reason i'm showing up you know uh uh, Frank Bell is our junior, uh, right? And I were talking over in Los Angeles a couple of years ago, and he said he said he when he was, he says when I was a fighter, I used to I used to get really mad for people to come up to me for an autograph. I said, oh yeah, get away from me! I haven't got time for this. He says, you know, it was really right, right, filled right. with my own self importance. He says he says now I walk around at these events with a pen in my hand, looking for somebody who wants an autograph. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, cruiserweight champion Marvin yeah. Cam- Marvin Camel was like that last year. He, he was walking up to he walked up to me and my my friend Eric from New Jersey, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, where, where's your stuff? Let me sign it." So uh, yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely a lot. Most most fighters are like that. There are a couple who uh, snubbed us. Joe Calzaghe and uh, Wilfredo Gomez were more of the ruder ones that I ran into. But hey, and a why be there if you're gonna that approach, but I, but you know, I've heard good stories about them as well. Maybe I just caught them at a bad time, but uh, Mickey Ward, there is no yeah, such thing as a bad time as catching him at one of yeah, those things. Say, He's always ready to go. I was going to say, if you, if you go there, then you know, you're going to meet people. If you're in a bad mood, you need to stay home. You know, right. that's just the way right. I do. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and you said you had one more thing, Jeff, before we go. Uh no, I, 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 you know, just wanted to cover that with those with the two fighters and and uh, I, Joey. It was it was great. It was great listening to him. Uh, you know, very very, the uh, training, truly great trainers, truly great cut man. 
maybe they're still there, and I just I'm just not as involved in the sport as I used to be. But uh, it, it seems like they're thinning out, and it's it's nice to know that uh, there's still some people who connect with the past. Uh, you know, still keeping right. still keeping things alive. And, yeah, Joey, uh, I true I, master I, of his craft, Mister Joey, I mm-hmm. true master yeah. of his craft. He 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 was he was right about uh, the uh, Chocolatito fight too. He, it 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 did it did color everybody's perception of the whole thing. Now I'll get back to you on that next week. I'm going to watch that intently. No sound, no Lampley, no CompuBox, and I'm going to give you my scorecard. And I promise you, it'll be the right scorecard. Okay. All right. I, I believe. You. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Uh, anything else? Anything you want to close with, my friend? Uh, no. no we're thanks for coming back. Uh, great stuff. Maybe next week we'll actually uh, have you put your feet in the fire and uh, predict a fight. I don't know what's on the pipe next week, but uh, some big fights coming up where I will be looking for some uh, predictions, but good. Uh, breakdown of what we saw this past weekend and uh, we thank you again and uh, have, you have a good rest of your evening but any closing remarks now's the time uh, just uh, I, I can't wait for the for the next big fight to come up I guess that would be uh, would that be Canelo's fight I, I if you want to call that fight a big fight, uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me. I know we have uh, Joshua Klitschko at the end of April. I don't know if Canelo's before or after that. I think it's a little after. Uh, big fight for me is in May is Brook and Spence. I think that's a, a great one. And oh, there, yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the one. There, there, there's some other yeah. ones as well. So uh, definitely, definitely on the horizon for that. So uh, we got some good stuff to look forward to. And as always, uh, we got stuff all over the television. Next Tuesday, uh, Omar Douglas versus Agna Cherry is on uh, uh, Tuesday night, and that's going to be a good fight. So uh, we'll have that to look forward to to discuss next Thursday. So uh, next Thursday, uh, I was in preliminary talks with uh, Ronnie Essett. Uh, I, I spoke on the air last time I had Mr. Essett on. Uh, was was planned to have him on. Where there was some confusion about the number, uh, and it was indeed correct. Uh, he did give me the wrong number. At, at first, I thought it was him uh, not wanting to come on or playing games, but he just gave me the wrong number. I talked with him uh, and he was not the guy that I spoke with that threatened to report me if I called again. It was a totally different guy. You would not think it would be possible <laughs> for somebody to give you the wrong number twice, but he did. And he finally, once we got the everything settled and uh, he gave me his correct number, we spoke and we plan to have him on next week. So uh, that that should oh, be great cool. as well. That's great. Ryan and I have fought on a few cards together, not against each other, obviously, but, uh, you know, we've been on a few cards together. Ryan's, Ryan's a really good boxer. He really was. He was brilliant. He was talent. a class of Indiana. Yeah. Brilliant amateur. Indiana. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. talent. One of the best yeah. one-twos I've ever seen, Jeff. His one-two, his jab straight right was a thing of beauty when he was clicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 you would, you would know when Ronnie Essett was announced because he, he had certain dignity that he carried himself with, and and uh, you knew he was gonna, you knew he was gonna go places. It just when when he ended up in the junior middleweights, there was a couple of guys named, you know, named McCallum and and Hearns, and you know, yeah, yeah we're gonna yeah. have to get fast, you know. Yeah, yeah a, a lot of great fights. Looking forward to speaking with him. Uh, so I, I'm glad I got straightened out, and, it was, and he wasn't who I thought he was, some crazy man threatening to report me. So I don't know who that guy <laughs> was, but 
we'll never have to hear him again. But uh, yeah, uh, so that is, <laughs> yes, that that is. Uh, I should call him and explain to him what happened. But he probably just hang up on me. But uh, that, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's in the cards for next week, and uh, we'll be back on the air. And uh, my friend, you have a good rest of your evening. I know it's late, and we both have to get up early for right. our, our, our for our jobs. So uh, uh, until next week, uh, have a good night, my friend. All right, you too. All right, thank you. And uh, once again, as always, we will close the show with the now late, great Chuck Berry. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished them well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. And now the young monsieur and madame have run the chapel there. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.